Hey, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and Bulldog fans. Welcome to another episode of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. I am Derek Thomas, your host tonight, and we have an awesome preview of the Texas A&M versus Mississippi State game this weekend. Uh, joining me tonight uh, will be Mississippi State graduate Kathy Clark and former Bulldog Aaron Lumpkin. Also, uh, to preview the Aggies and talk about them, with how, they, how their season is going this year, will be Rush Roberts from GoodBullHunting.com. First off, Rush, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. And uh, Aaron, go ahead and let the Bulldog Nation know uh, how you doing. Uh, how's everybody doing? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing out there? All right. And Kathy, my sorority sister, also known as Kool-Aid, joining us tonight to talk about... See, now you share my business. <laughs> oh, my bad, sis. I, hey, you, I thought everybody knew you by that name. They, they do. Everybody knows me knows that name. But uh, yes, thank you for inviting me on. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. So now we on to get down to business. Well, we're gonna pick Rush's brain on the on those dastardly Aggies coming to Starkville. But before we do that, want to talk about last week's game. You upset former Bulldog boss Dan Mullen. Uh, did you think the Aggies had a chance had a chance in that game at all? Uh, I was hoping they did, um, but it, it's really hard to be hopeful after you coming off the Alabama game losing like that. Mm-hmm. So it was. I knew we'd have to play pretty much perfect to have a shot, and and we we did played as what well. I think that was Jimbo Fisher's most complete game since he's right. been coach here. Would you say that's one of his signature wins since he's become the Aggies head coach? Uh, I'd say definitely for sure. All right, and Kinda, when you when that field goal kick went through the uprights, <laughs> I did just have a sigh of relief. Just relief. We've been so close so many times, and finally have it work out. Just. Felt good. All right. And after the game, Dan Mullen, which we all – Aaron knows Mullen well. We all know Mullen well. Complained about the fans. Before I let Rush ask, <laughs> answer that question, Aaron, is that something typically Dan Mullen would complain about? I mean, I think he made a comment about about filling uh, Florida's stadium. Uh-huh. This week, uh, which was probably the most irresponsible thing he's seen <laughs> in a long time. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, he's had some strange – he said some strange things behind the podium before, so I don't think that's any different than – So, Rush, before. was it the fans? Uh, probably. They can get pretty loud, so just wait till he comes back when it's at full capacity. Yes, indeed. All right, so, Rush um, – you know, before we uh, ask you these missing state questions um, – Texas A&M has been hit, of course, by opt-outs and injuries. How have the Aggies been able to, you know, play the way they've played with the injuries and the opt-outs and the also the loss of breakout star Caleb Chapman at wide receiver? Yeah, uh, seems like particular wide receiver has been seeing a lot of opt-outs in. Now, you know, key injury. I know there's there's some freshmen who have yet to play, so they've got eligibility. I think we're just – Fortunately, you're pretty deep at wide receiver, mm-hmm. just not a lot of experience. Uh, most of the more experienced guys opted out or have been injured now. So I'm hoping that, you know, we'll see one or two young guys step up, kind of plenty of chances to step in and fill a hole. All right. So now on to your pre- point of view against our Bulldogs. Now, um, your quarterback, I mean, we all know what he can do. He can run. He can throw. Talk about his maturization and how he plans to possibly attack our young secondary. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, he's got to play really well for the offense to work. And after Florida, I'm hoping he's going to ride that confidence and, and kind of just do the same type of thing, work the outside a little bit and work. You know, he's got a tight end who's just really reliable, a big guy. He's good for five catches and 50 yards a game. And just kind of, you know, without a, a – you know, like you said, Caleb Chapman's injured, so there's not really a breakout guy right now. But just working – backs out of the backfield and tight ends and you know let a receiver maybe get open once in a while so now speaking of tight end, speaking of tight ends Aaron you a tight end so talk about just the importance of that position and helping a quarterback like Kalen Munn um, hopefully we can stop him from throwing to that tight end but just how important a tight end is to that offense um, it makes it it makes it a lot more difficult on linebackers and safeties and it makes it much easier for the quarterback if tight ends can stretch the middle of the field. If you have a tight end that can get into the middle of the field and catch passes, like a tight end's averaging five catches for 50 yards a game, it makes it that much harder to defend the guys on the edges because they can take up large chunks of yards down the middle of the field, and then they can make it so the safeties can't help over the top on, on receivers that are deep threats. Now, um, Rush, Kellen Munn is known as a dual-threat quarterback. He didn't run much against Florida. Do you think we may see him run more against Mississippi State? Uh, I think it's possible. I think um, may see more creative blitzing from Mississippi State than we saw last week. It just depends on, you know, also how focused on running the game plan is. Looks like in the second half against Florida, they really stuck to the runs. There wasn't really much of a of a need for scrambling, but um, – yeah, it, it just depends on how things go early. He had a lot of confidence. He had a really good first drive. So sometimes if he gets rattled early, he's more likely to scramble in the rest of the game. Now, Mississippi State has the number two defense in the ACC, number one defense in sacks, I think I'm correct. So um, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to see his fair share of pressure uh, from the Bulldog front. Uh, you brought up the run game. Spiller was an absolutely wrecking ball against Florida. Uh, how do you see his play against Mississippi State's stout run defense? Do you feel like uh, the Aggies will be able to open up holes for him? Uh, probably not as big a holes as against Florida, but I'm hoping <laughs> it'll be good for, you know, getting some, some key yards up in the middle when we need him. You know, he's our guy to go up inside and get two, three tough yards when we need it the most. So as long as he can get those, I think the rest will work itself out. All right. So who is Mung going to throw the ball to? I mean, his top wide outs opted out. You lose Caleb Chapman, so you know our our secondary is young. We have some. They've pl- they've basically outplayed most fans' predictions uh, for our secondary this year. But who does Mississippi State need to look out for as far as outside of the tight end receiving for the Aggies? Uh, yeah, like you said, outside of t- the tight end, Weidermeyer, we'll see a bunch of him. But I think we might see more of Anaya Smith in the in a slot, in addition to being playing out of the backfield. He's got experience at wide receiver, and he's just probably our best playmaker uh, there's behind them there's a, a several young freshmen um been returning kicks and also you know getting decent yards and a couple of freshmen got touchdowns last week so uh, i think there's there's playmakers in the in the wings waiting just as long as they can get out there and get some playing time and with florida now shutting down due to their COVID outbreak you know have you had any heard any news on texas and them being impacted Possibly. Yeah, uh, I think they've tested twice since they found out, and everyone's been negative so far. But I know it's they're going to keep testing twice a day at least. Well, 
while that window is still open. Okay. Any more, any more um, predictions for offense for AM? Because you know we want to get to the to the uh, how your defense is going to attack us. But what more do we need to know about the Texas A&M Aggie offense for this uh, game? The big thing is that the offensive line looked way better last week than they've looked in a long time, and you know, in a couple seasons, so at least. So, looking forward to seeing if they're it was anomaly or if they're really really improving. Okay, now the big question: what everyone wants to know, because after the LSU game, Bo Pelini played man to man. We ate him up. Arkansas, Kentucky dropped three, dropped eight, and rushed three. Will we see a defense see defense do effect with with A and M or will A and M try to match up um, and maybe play more man to man than zone? What do you think the Aggies would do against the air raid? That's a that's a good question. This is the this is the type of defense that Leach used to love to try to humiliate back in the day when he was at Tech, you know, going against Oklahoma and stuff like that. And I just think that uh, he's going to have an answer no matter what we try to do. But I, I think they'll probably. Uh, probably try some man early. I I really can't say. Well, no one has played to... man against us since LSU. <laughs> I don't. They like. I don't know. I think they might like to mix it up. Yeah, right, I'll probably so... see a good mix no matter what. And you know, I don't think Leach. This is going to be the first meeting between Leach and Jimbo Fisher as opposing head coaches. Correct. I'm thinking. I tried to find that, but I couldn't really find. But I don't think they've ever faced each other as head coaches. Um, I don't early, think they have. Yeah, early in the season, you know, uh, Coach Fisher, you know, had nothing but good things to say about Mike Leach. Uh, I listened to the, the, the press call uh, the other day. So what, what, what do you think Mike Le- uh, Jimbo Fisher plans to do to try to ensure that his Aggies leave Starkville with a victory? Yeah, that's a good question since he hasn't really faced him yet. Um, hopefully he's watched him enough recent years, Washington State and maybe the LSU game and, and kind of get a handle on how, what kind of stuff he's going to put out there and, and also how unpredictable you can be. So just as long as you can kind of remain flexible, I know he sometimes like to have a, a really rigid game plan. So hopefully he's keeps an open mind. Well, I know we're, I know Aaron and Kevin, we're all hoping that he does not rush three and drop eight. <laughs> Aaron, what you think about that? Uh, there's a there's a player playing for Mississippi State right now, who's he's a pretty popular guy, pretty good pretty good player. His name's Kylan Hill, and I think that we need to invest in turning around and handing him the football, so that it's not so hard on our quarterbacks, air raid or not. Kathy, what's your comment on that? Agree. I agree 100 uh, percent with Mr. Lumpkin. And uh, just please let Rush know that it was me who predicted last week that A&M would be Florida. <laughs> However, uh, my prediction is that Mississippi State will win this, this, this Saturday. Not because Mississippi State is my team, but I've watched A&M a lot, you know, because of when Ariel was there playing basketball. That was just kind of my second maroon team. So uh, I paid a lot of attention to him. And, of course, I paid a lot of attention to Jimbo when he was here at um, Florida State, when he was here in South Carolina, well, in Florida, rather. So uh, I know what Texas A&M is capable of, but I think Mississippi State's defense 
can do a lot better job with A&M than what Florida did. And I hate that Florida is not going to face Mississippi State this year, uh, unless it's in a playoff, I guess, or something. But uh, in the championship I game, if we can get there. <laughs> well, like I said, <laughs> we won't face them. But uh, I think that our defense will show something completely different uh, to Texas A&M from, than what they saw last week. So, like Kathy said, we have a pick 'em for our podcast, Black Dog Sports Podcast pick 'em. And Kathy was the only person to pick your Aggies to upset Florida. So you need to give her some kudos. She helped job with that victory. Good pick. Both both picks are good. I think I think this week's a toss up, pretty much. All right. So, um, I mean, Rush, you have any other any other tidbits about the Aggies you want to share with us? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I think I think our defense against your offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, and who do you feel is going to win this game? Are you going to go with your home team, or do you think the Air Raid will find a way to break through against the Aggies? I'm going to go with the Aggies, but, you know, within a score, maybe two. Within a score, all right. All right, well, Rush, I want to thank you for joining, man. You know, we're definitely going to have to get you back on um, during basketball season uh, so we can talk about hopefully the resurgence of our men's basketball season team and hopefully continue dominance on the Coach Nikki uh, for our Lady Bulldogs. Yeah, definitely. Just let me know. We've got a basketball guy we can put on here. All right. Thanks, Rush. Hey, thanks a lot. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, Bulldog fans. You know, we want to thank Rush Roberts for joining us, you know, and giving us those tidbits with oh, the Texas a and Aggies. But now we're ready to talk about our Bulldogs and what we think about uh, our season so far before we talk about the preview uh, of the Texas and m Aggie game from our point of view. So in Mississippi State news this week, and Aaron, um, I want your opinion on this because I, I don't necessarily know if I've ever heard a coach just say this just right after a game or any. Uh, your opinion on Leach mentioning purge malcontents and the fence riders. Now, of course, you know, with every change of the guard, sometimes you have that happen. We didn't get a chance to go through spring practice, see if anyone were not on board with his program. But what is your opinion as a former player and now um, watcher of, football, of Bulldog football on his comments and how do you feel? How would you feel as a player hearing him say that? Depends on where I was. If I was on the fence or, or a malcontent, as he said, I would be thinking about looking for somewhere else to go. But if I was somebody who was bought into his system, which I don't know I mean, how 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 uh, straightforward can I be on this podcast? Be straightforward, bro. I don't know how many people are bought into what's going on. I know the LSU win was big for everybody and everything like that. But, I mean, these last couple of games, we've really, really struggled offensively. Exactly. So, I mean – I don't know if it's malcontent or if it's people that are on the fence or if it's just game planning. When you have the best player in the SEC, because that's what Kylan Hill is, and people are dropping eight out of there, I'm pretty sure if you hand them the ball, you're going to get six yards. And then they're going to have to commit more people to the box. Football's a game has always been about numbers and who wins the line of scrimmage, no matter how you play it. And, if Kylan Hill's not getting the football, I don't think we're at our best. And I think that the way we're using him right now is not, you know, is not helping our offense move. 
And that's just, that's my opinion. All right, Kathy, you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm driving. But right. um, as an alumni, your take on what Coach Lee said about purging malcontents and fence riders. Well, you you already know my feeling about Coach Coach Leach, and uh, he reminds me of uh, of a friend of his. Uh, anytime there's something that looks bad on his end, then it's blamed on everybody else, and you want to fire people. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I felt that he was being very stubborn last week and and the week before because certainly when. Uh, Costello wasn't playing well. Uh, I'm no Garrett Schrader fan, but, you know, when we couldn't pick up a yard or two with the with the quarterback running, in my opinion, you put in the helicopter uh, because he could have gotten those yards. And I, I understand that the air raid is his thing and he, he wants to go with that. But, um, you know, sometimes when your thing is not working – you just adjust and then go back and, and work on whatever your thing is. So, um, like you said, you know, we didn't have much training uh, due to COVID. So, you know, maybe the kids haven't completely learned his system. But I don't think as a coach making $5 million, you talk about firing the players. So, that's my opinion. Go ahead, speak. You know, I know you want to say something, Aaron. Go ahead. Time that is fourth down and one. And you have number eight on your team. He should get the football. It should not be a fade route to whatever wide receiver has been unproven in this conference, because that's our <laughs> situation at wide receiver. I mean, they're talented guys. We saw that they have some ability and they're talented. But if it's fourth down and one, and I'm down fourteen to two or fourteen to nothing, and I've got the player that we have at running back. There's no way that you throw a fade route. And that's not malcontent or being on the fence. That, I mean, that that's not, you know, that, that's just, 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 just not those things. And, I mean, I think Mike Leach, is, he's never been a player's coach, ever, in his entire career. So, for anybody who's playing for Mississippi State, you know, he hasn't – he's never been a, a person that's been known to be, you know, a player's coach. And uh, he's had tendencies to say things like that and then backtrack on him later. Mm -hmm. He's a great offensive mind. And what I'm hoping for this weekend is that we can get it together and, and kind of kind of rein it in a little bit and get a win this week. Right. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not at all surprised at what he said after the game was over about purging the roster and things like that. That happens naturally when you have transition in college football or any level of football anyway. But but you know, with him and his reputation, I don't I don't find that surprising at all. Okay. Now, he let did, let he... me just jump in and say something right quick. Go ahead. Drain draining the swamp <laughs> and getting rid of the malcontents. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar? You know? Yeah. So that's, it does. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what I I think about leech. So. man, I don't know. I mean I, I don't know how much we're going to tie him uh, to the president, but I mean, that, I'm just going to say, I mean, it does sound very familiar, very familiar language. Well, I mean, we, we're going to kind of stick to football. We don't want to go over to the realm of, of politics too much because, you know, when we bring in politics and football, 
uh, you know, a lot of people don't agree that you, you should mix the two, but unfortunately, they get mixed a lot uh, in, in pro football and definitely in college football, as we saw this offseason. Um, now, um, there, uh, the an article written by 247 that said that there was a renewed focus uh, with the players this week of pract- with practice. Now, um, Aaron, um, has there ever been a time where, when you were playing for Mississippi State, where you felt like the atmosphere was like what Coach Lee said? And how would your team, especially your team leaders, react um, necessarily to that statement? Even the fence riders, do you think a fence rider said, you know what, I'm going to get in gear, I'm going to play hard for my boys, I'm going to play hard for my brothers, because as a football player, you're supposed to play for your brothers, your brothers, your your boys. It, I always looked at football as when I was in Starkville, it was always like getting up and going to work. You know, it was a situation where you had a responsibility to meet certain demands and you showed up to work, you did what you were supposed to do. Um, and you had to remember that I played for one of the most famous players, coaches, to ever coach in college football and Jackie Shero, mm-hmm. you know, so we never went, even, to, even when we start struggling later in my career, we never, we never worried about coach Shero going into any press conference or making any kind of comments like that about his players or his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So I think our renewed focus when things went wrong for us was more about doing it for him because he was coming towards the end of his career and stuff like that. And less about, you know, if I'm being seen as some sort of outside entity now that the, the guard has changed. So, I mean, I think every one of these people need to understand these college football players this year more than any, any year, they're sacrificing a lot, you know, just to be on campus, to be there practicing, to go through the protocols that they're having to go through to play and things like that. And, and, and they approach it as if it's a job and the, the people that are there, they love that university too. Because that's right. one thing. If you once you put on maroon and white, it doesn't go away. You know, you love that university, and 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 you know there was probably a renewed focus more about just wanting to get back on track than it was uh, what was said in that press conference. Okay. Uh, now moving forward, um, of course, our quarterback play has been very porous, even with the LSU game, the record-breaking um, yardage passing. Pass, passing yards records. Uh, he's broken completion records. But we have thrown so many interceptions, more interceptions now than touchdowns, that the air raid has been grounded. Went from scoring uh, 44 points uh, to 14 points to basically zero points. Defense scored two points. Um, this is the first time a Mike Leach offense has been held scoreless, I think, in a couple of – I don't have that, but it's been a while, you know, since he's been held offensive points without any points. So, Leach says that KJ and Will will continue to battle. So, let's look at that aspect for for right now. You know, if KJ struggles, how long do you think that Leach will stick with him before going to Real Watchers? Aaron? The future is now. If you have a senior that's struggling, 
and you have a freshman that's equal to him, program procedure should be to play the freshman. There should be no battle. If he's battling with the senior right now, then you should play the freshman because that's the kid that's going to be in your system for longer. And you're going to get more out of that than what you would trying to develop a player that's only there for a year. But I, for one, and people are going to probably kill me for saying this, don't Come think on, brother. That, I don't think that it's the quarterback play. I think that we put our quarterbacks in positions right now that are really, really tough. Like what you said at the beginning, when you're rushing three and you're dropping eight, there's not many quarterbacks that can do anything with that on the professional level. Only the top-tier guys. So you're asking guys that are new to a system to where this is their third game of live action to pick that stuff up. You have to do something in your play column to take pressure off of those quarterbacks. And I just don't think that we've done that the last two weeks. All right, Kathy? I agree. I don't I don't think it's all the quarterback. Uh, I do think that the quarterback is afraid to get hit. <laughs> but He's afraid to I run, don't, I don't, most definitely. Uh, well, he, he'll run, but when it looks like, you know, some serious pressure is coming, bruh, sliding. That's just all it is to it. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't say that I put it all on the on the quarterback. And then kind of going back to what you said about, uh, you know, the uh, practice team uh, appeared to have been better this week where guys picking up their game. You know, I have a job, and I have to put out a lot of um, – I won't say press releases, but newsletters and do a lot of marketing. And week before last, I had a lot of errors. You know, people write me back going, oh, you know, this date is wrong or that's wrong. And, man, it just ate me alive. So, like uh, Mr. Lumpkin said, football is, is like a job. I don't want to look bad on my job. You know, I, I'm not in love with my boss, but I don't want to look bad. So I think that's the same with these kids. They don't want to look bad. Whether you call them malcontents or, or whatever you want to call them, nobody wants to look bad on their job. So I think that you will find them putting a whole lot more effort into it. Like I said, I believe we'll beat Texas A&M. I really do. And um, I um, like agreed. I don't think it's all on the quarterback. Okay. Now – to the second quarterback group, we have Jalen May on the bench who has not played hardly any. Coming out of high school, he was a four-star dual-threat quarterback. He can run and he can spin it. You know, uh, Leach said that Jalen May did some good things in practice, but he has yet to see the field. Another player who has already gone down to Mississippi State, Lord, has been moved to wide receiver who my who a lot of fans, including myself and, and including you, Kathy, have have wanted to get back to the quarter position so he can run the ball, and that's Gary Schrader. Should Coach Leach give these two young men a chance to see if they can spark the offense, not just with their arms, but with their feet? Because one thing about Schrader, if you drop eight against him, he going to run it. Aaron? So – I don't think Gary Schrader should be on the team, but that's just my, that's just my opinion about Gary Schrader. But, no, I don't think that they need to go to a running-style quarterback. That's not the system that he plays. 
I think that they need to stick with the guys that they have. And if we're going to talk about running the football, it doesn't go further than Kylan Hill. We don't need to insert a – we could insert a quarterback and run the read option principle, but that's not what Mike Leach does. Right. This is the most – you can give – if Kylan Hill carried the ball 15 times a game, if he just got it 15 times in a game, the air raid will be so much more effective because it takes the defense's ability away from dropping all of those guys out of the box. It's really that simple. When you've got a running back like him, you don't have to beat him up. But if you if you hand it to him 15 times a game and make them respect the fact that, hey, they are willing to hand the football to him. Because right now, nobody, nobody respects that because we haven't done it. If we make people respect that, then our, our passing game will get better. And we won't have to change the quarterback or try to put a quarterback in that doesn't have the skill set to run the air raid. Because I think if, we, if Mike Leach is our coach, and he's our coach, and we're going to run the air raid, then we need to have people that are going to be in, that are going to run this system. And, you know, I think having a quarterback that's a dual threat quarterback is okay. But I think that we need to put more focus in just making it easier by handing it to the guy that we have that makes it easier for people to pass. He had Nick Fitzgerald was his quarterback for a long time. You know what I mean? You had Schrader and the kid that was at Penn State last year. All of those guys had had okay performances, and they did because of who was their tailback. All right. So I think I think that that I mean we need to start there, you know, and and work our way from that. I can agree with that. Okay. So. Okay, so Lee straight at wide receiver, but Maiden is known for yeah, throwing. You could do some packages where he's the quarterback and he runs, but if he's going to play receiver, put him at receiver. You know, I don't know if you can go to fixing the running game if it doesn't start with your tailback. You know, that's just, you know. All right. So um, up next, get this screen up here. Um. When Mike Leach was hired as our head coach, everyone figured, like, we were going to have an offense that was going to throw the ball 50 times a game, 56 times a game. We have had that. When Zach Arnett was hired as our defensive coordinator, he brought back the 3-3-5, but it was not going to be Joe Lee Dunn, 3-3-5. Everywhere Leach has coached, he wasn't known for having a stout defense. Mississippi State has a history of stout defenses, regardless of who our defensive coordinator is. Right now, the Zach Arnett-led unit is number 12 in the nation, number two in the ACC in defense, and number one in sacks. No one thought our defense would be this good. Kathy, are you surprised about the defense's play this season, even with the offense struggling the past two games? Not really, not really, and and I I think that that's what's going to bring us through. Um, we are going to beat Texas A and M. I'll put some money on that because of our defense. Uh, Aaron, no, I mean, if you would have told me that we would have a top fifteen defense with a Mike Leach offense, I would say we would be competing for a national championship. That if 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 I was a bad man. But, you know, I agree with Kathy. I think the defense is going gonna, is gonna to win the day right. on Saturday. 
I, I agree. I, I feel like we're going to have to hit and sack Kellen Mann. Uh, we're going to have to – Texas A&M does not have the offensive weapons that they had to start the season or before the season started with all the opt-outs and all the injuries. Uh, that running back scares me for what he did against Florida, but our running – our run defense was able to shut down uh, LSU's three-headed monster of a running back, shut down uh, Arkansas's rushing attack, and then we only let, you know, Terry Wilson get away for one long run. After that, it was kaput, zilch, nothing, nada. You know, I also would – I would probably think you were crazy if you thought we weren't going to have – we were going to have this type of defense. But I'm glad that we have it. Um, so um, now we're going to get on to our preview of Mississippi State versus Texas A&M. And the first question I want to ask Aaron is – can the offense get going, and how? What do we have to do to score some points? So, can the offense get going? Yes. We've seen their ability to make plays in Baton Rouge. So, there's no question that they can get going, and it, it, it doesn't really take a lot. How do we get there? I think it starts with being to having better balance. You don't necessarily have to throw the ball 60 times a game to be effective in throwing the football. And if you throw it 40 and you run it 15 or 20 and you're putting up points, nobody's going to complain. So I think the keys to success is being a little less predictable. And, and when people are dropping eight, make them paper dropping those eight people by handing the ball to the most dangerous man in college football. Kathy, how do we, yes. get, how do we get going on offense? Well, first of all, I think any time you throw the ball 50 or 60 times, you can anticipate a, a high number of interceptions. That's just kind of how, the, the, how it works. So, to be honest, in the, the two games we lost, we beat ourselves. So, I agree with Aaron. We are going to have to mix it up. You know, give the ball to Kylan. And, right. and be unpredictable. All right, now, Aaron. And, and I hate to sound like a broken record, Aaron, but I do agree with you a lot. With no, I mean, saying. I, you know, I don't – this is one time that I, I appreciate you saying that I'm right. There's a lot of times where I'm wrong, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, neither one of us have played SEC football. <laughs> We're going to lean on your understanding more so than ours, you know. I, I've been a fan a long time. Kathy's an alum. I'm so when we got SEC quick, we coming to you, brother, because you you've been in the wars, you've been in the battles, you got to catch his blocks and yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think you know the, the SEC is a much different. You know, it's looked more like the Big Twelve than the SEC. Yeah. These first few weeks, just because the lack of defense that's being played is just. Yo, I, I don't tell you playing defense can't score no points. Right. Well, right. yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for I mean, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, you know, it, it's different, man. It's hard. It's hard to it's, it's hard. It's hard to navigate the SEC. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. So, you know, I come my older brothers in Ohio State Buckeyes. So not I don't have many friends when it comes to talking about college football mm -hmm. around around these parts. But um you know, I, I think that we've got a good chance to win the game, but I don't. I think that our quarterbacks will struggle if we don't do something to balance out our offense. We got to balance it out some. Yes, indeed. Now, um, interceptions have plagued us 
even when we won the LSU game. You know, KJ threw four last game. Rodgers threw two. Will the leash for INTs be short versus the Aggies? How many interceptions do you think Leach will let KJ throw when he gives him the yank? Aaron? How many times are we going to throw the ball? <laughs> it's like what Kathy said. If you're throwing the ball 65 times, I mean, ratios say that three or four of those are going to hit the other guys, the other people, and they're going to pick them off. So it just depends on how many times we're throwing the ball. And then when you have eight guys that are in coverage, now you raise that percentage of the chance of you getting an interception. I think the way we reduce the amount of inter- interceptions is make them commit more football players to the line of scrimmage. If okay. we can make them commit more players to the line of scrimmage, then we'll have less interceptions. But if we allow them to to drop drop eight people and have our quarterbacks decision making against that against that look, then we'll have we'll we'll make some mistakes. Well, you know, there's there's a reason that. Uh, Jimbo is not at Florida State anymore. I mean, a lot of people uh, think he just took the job at A&M, but uh, I know I live, in, I, I live in South Florida, so I know a lot of uh, FSU alum, uh, a lot of FSU alum that contribute financially. And I know that Jimbo was on his way out the door. And uh, so I don't think, I think Jimbo was great when he was working under Bobby Bowden, but I don't think he's that great of a coach. And um, I, I think, like you said, if we mix it up, it'll confuse him. And I really believe we'll win. All right. So uh, Texas A&M is going to allow Mississippi State to run the ball. It's just going to be whether or not we do it enough. Are we right. going to be deliberate enough to say, if you're going to give us the running game, we're going to take it? And the last two weeks, Arkansas and Kentucky bet that we weren't going to do that, and they hit it They hit it big at the casino. Okay. Now, speaking of the offensive line, you know, five guys have been facing three, and those three guys have been beating our five. Aaron, I mean, tight end, you, you've been in the trenches. You know, is our offensive line really that bad? Or is the splits, is the system really hurting our offensive line as far as five people cannot block three? I'm, I'm a, it's going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, okay? Offensive linemen are massive athletic guys, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine trying to take all of that weight and it's always moving backwards every single play. And the guy that's across from you knows that you're going to be moving backwards. So think about that. 80% of the time, Mississippi State is throwing the football. So defensive linemen have one thing on their mind. We're pass rushing. They don't have to think about anything but getting to the quarterback. All right? So, yeah, we got five linemen a lot of times blocking against three guys. and we, They might bring an extra guy in pressure, but they're going against three guys that had their ears pinned back, and they're coming after the quarterback because there is almost zero chance that they have to do anything but pass rush for 90% no of the game. They don't have any so, fear. I, yeah, so I'm going to defend the offensive line and saying help them out by giving them balance because the one thing that slows down a pass rush is it's a really good run game. Kathy. We're sounding like a broken record. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I mean, you're right. I mean, like Aaron said, you know, these guys have no fear of what's coming to them. They feel like I'm just going to pin my ears back. I'm just going to go. They're just attacking the offensive lineman with reckless, reckless abandon. So, but still, you know, even we, even when we run the ball, like you said, Aaron, they're not moving forward. Offensive lineman, when you lean, that's that's your edge. You know, our, our defense lineman don't know where you're going. So, are we gonna have to see some tweaks to the air raid run game to where he's gonna run some power runs or not? Hey man, I I don't see how you're you're you sustain success in the SEC West if you do not have the ability to run the football downhill. If you could name me one team that's had success in the SEC West without the ability to run the ball downhill, I'll shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, Aaron, like I said, you've played tight end in the SEC. You've ran routes. Against that drop eight coverage, why can't our wide receivers find open spots or why have they have not been able to beat the zone deep? Because anytime that you have eight people that are dropping coverages, you now have eliminated a layer of the defense. So they only got three people on the first layer of the defense. On the second layer of the defense, they can commit more people to get into the passing lanes. So that's why when you know, they're rushing three, they're dropping eight. You know, you have you – have, and then now you have two extra players that now aren't linebackers. They're safeties and corners that are quicker, and they can get in the passing lane and impact the, impact the passing game. So that's why it's harder to get open because they're going against looks that the defense has the advantage. All right, moving on to our defense. Uh, we know that Texas A&M has a very, very dangerous quarterback in Kellen Munn. Uh, but uh, not only is he dangerous, but that run, their run game exploded against Florida. Aaron, how do you see our defense – being able to stop these two, Mon in the passing game and Spiller with the run game. I think they'll do it how we've done it traditionally. They'll, they'll crowd the line of scrimmage and take away the run first. Um, and and they're going to try to make Mon beat them with his arm, which I think is the right strategy. He like what like what they said, like what the gentleman said that was on here before. They have uh, they have some question marks at the wide receiver position mm-hmm. because of opt outs and things like that. Whenever you have that, you got you got to crowd the line of scrimmage and make those guys get open. I think that's what we'll do, and we'll do it effectively. All right, Kathy, what do you think you're going to see from our defense? Well, last week in the UF A&M game, you saw back-to-back scoring. Everybody scoring, nobody playing defense. I think with our defense, you won't see all that scoring. I I think that our guys can – can shut down the quarterback, and I and Spiller, he's he's good. They're going to, have to shut him down too, and I think they'll figure that out early on. But I just don't see uh, I don't see AM playing defense. That that was an outright all offensive game last week, and that's what they do. If you think about the the game where um, they went what seven overtimes with LSU. Remember that game and yeah, I LSU? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, no defense being played. So, um, you know, you just don't score that many points if a team has a good defense. And I think we have a great defense. And, and I think that, you know, 
defensively, we got it. I'm not worried in the least bit about defense. All right. Our problem is offense, and uh, our coach has to not be stubborn and be willing to make some adjustments. Bottom line. All right. Before I know we go- I won't be invited back. <laughs> I won't. I won't say that. I won't say that. I'm telling you. I apologize for turning her. She. I, I'm. I've been co-signing with Kathy, and now me and her are both gonna be kicked off the Black Dog Sportscast. No, <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not gonna kick y'all off. Y'all, y'all, y'all came in tonight. You know when everybody else was busy. You know, and uh, we all did pretty good. So before we go to predictions, you know, who do you feel like is gonna be your breakout offensive and defensive player, Kathy? Uh, you know, I don't know the kids' names well enough to say all that. I I do like uh the what's his name Mitchell, Osiris Mitchell. Osiris. Yeah, I like him. I like him. And the other little guy that everybody says reminds them of perfect in the NFL. Oh, uh, uh, um, Errol Thompson. Errol Thompson. Yeah. Well, he, uh, yeah. He's a law-abiding Vontae's perfect. He does not have penalty get penalties like Burford does. Yeah. Well, nobody. <laughs> I call him a law-abiding Vontae's Burford. All right, Aaron, your offensive I'm defensive player. I'm gonna go. Player. I'm gonna go with the breakout players on offense. I think this is very a very predictable answer. But give me Kylan Hill as a breakout player on offense, mm-hmm. and then give me uh, Errol Thompson on defense. Errol Thompson. Well, you know He's what. He's going to be everywhere on Saturday. I'm going to do a little home cooking because there's two guys that went to my high school that I feel are due for a breakout performance. Callaway Chargers, baby. Malik Heath and Aaron. Yeah. So Aaron at defensive end, Aaron Odom. So hopefully my Chargers can have a breakout performance repping that Charger ball, that Charger pride, because Malik Heath had a pretty good game against Texas A&M. Well, not Texas A&M, against Kentucky. And Aaron has been getting a lot of playing time with that second line, second defensive line. So uh, C- Coach Arnett likes to rotate his defensive line. Like last week I saw somebody ask why Jack Harris was playing so much. Well, that's because Coach Arnett rotates his guys in to keep them fresh. So Aaron has been waiting – his time to get a have a big game. So I'm going to say my breakout player is going to be Malik Heath and Aaron Odom. Now, we already know Kathy's prediction for the game. She's been saying it all podcast long. Mississippi State is going to beat Texas A&M to even our record at 2-2. Two and two. Aaron, what's your prediction before we get out of here? Oh, give me the Bulldogs. We're going to eat Now y'all for them made me look like the bad guy. Um, give me, look. You can't have a Black Dogs podcast. I mean, you should be picking Mississippi State 100%. I can't, man. I, pick, I, picked, them, I picked them two look, weeks straight like I let down. Yeah, you I got to see some. You got you to gotta, you gotta believe in your dog, man. Remember, you know, you got to believe in the Bulldogs. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how far away you are. You got to have one of these, and you got to believe in your Bulldogs. I got the you know same what? jersey and the same cowbell, Aaron. The I'm fan in me is picking Mississippi State. <laughs> But the football analyst in me, based off what I've seen the past two weeks, has to go with Texas A&M because of what they did against Florida and what our offense has been unable to do for the past few weeks. Not just not score points, but stop throwing interceptions. He's going to let the defense score points on us. When you're letting the defense score points and your offense is struggling, 
that's a bad recipe for a W. Like so, I said, Brett, you know, when you as an individual on your job, I mean, you're committed to doing a good job. Nobody wants to go to work looking bad every day. You just that's don't. Right. So if you've been looking shabby for the past couple of weeks and all your coworkers saying, bro, you're not holding up your end and, you know, we looking raggedy or, or nobody has to say anything to you. I'm the type of person when I know I've done poorly, I will go to my boss and say, look, I have performed poorly. I don't feel good about myself. And so I tighten it up. I think you will see our offense do that on their own. Now, Leach is going to have to give them the tools, but I think that you're going to see them say, no, nah, we, this is not us. No, these guys want to go pro. They don't, even Costello, he doesn't want to be throwing a thousand interceptions and looking bad and the, the, you know, everybody's talking about him all around the SEC. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think that they're going to put it on themselves this week. And I think you'll see much better play from the offense. Like I said, Leach has to give them the tools, but I, I think they'll, I think they'll do fine. All right. Aaron, your final thoughts. Run the ball. I don't know if Mike Leach is watching, but if you happen to be tuning into the podcast, run the football, please do us all the favor and hand it to number eight. There's nothing but pay dirt in there. Exactly. I want to thank Russ Roberts for good, goodbullhunting.com for joining us, talking about Texas and them Aggies. I also want to thank Aaron Lumpkin and my Sarah Kathy Clark for joining us tonight. For Derek Thomas with Bad Dog Sports Podcast, we out of here. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. All right, you guys too. Take care. All right. <laughs>